Hello and welcome to Retrospective Replay, a serialized podcast on video games. This is season one, Vagrant Story. My name is Ian, and with me tonight, but not directly with me in the room, is Michael. Hello, Michael. Hello, Ian. How's it going? Yeah, not too bad. Can't complain. I can't complain, but... Well, you can't complain because your television broke and... Yeah, I'm television broke and... No, it's been fine. I mean, looking forward to the um, start of spring and hopefully getting out of lockdown and getting back to a bit more normality in life. Yeah. I know what you mean. We didn't do any patch notes last week, so I figure I have a couple this week to mention from episode three. On episode three, at 15 minutes 48 seconds, we were talking about... I noticed this when I edited, actually. That's when I come up with these patch notes. And we were talking about the phantom in the dog-legged room and how he had 60 seconds to defeat it. And we said, what happens when timer counts down? And I actually said I would play it through and find out what happened. I did that. When the timer runs out, Ashley just says, it has disappeared, question mark. And then you just have to run out of the room and back in the room and it starts all over again. Okay. And what I also said in episode 3 at 18 minutes 13 was that a new marble storm was introduced, but this was wrong. It wasn't introduced then. It was actually introduced in the wine cellar. And there is one part. There's a marble block. It just didn't notice it. Rooms, I don't have the name in hand, but it was the marble block was actually introduced very early on. And finally, we never talked about how when Sydney summoned the wyvern, he said this whole thing about Emperor of Shade of Darkness, didn't he? And he actually referred to the City of Shade where after the Minotaur encounter. So, you know, it's obviously what it must be called. It must be called, the, you know, the City of Shade. And I guess this Emperor of Shade must just be some sort of demon or something that looks, that, that is just purely exists within the power of Le Monde. On to episode five. Uh, we start at Rue Vermilion and we've just beat Father Dwayne and his two Crimson Knights and we got the Crimson Key. I'm wondering if they're related. Crim- now that I'm reading out loud, Crimson Knights and Crimson Key. Maybe. Maybe. And we'll go through a Crimson Door. We move into a new area now called City Walls West. The room is called the Students of Death. But there's no music, it's just background beast noises. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, we've just left an area which which was background wind and bird noise. Now it's background beast noises. But did you notice the beast noises kind of sound like the beasts were getting beaten or dying? They made the same sort of death sound. No, but neither to mention it. Yeah, it's very odd. How I would describe this, you are basically, if you could imagine what it would be like if you went, I don't know, kind of into the wall of China, wouldn't it? You know, you'd be in a thin kind of corridor, stone walls each side, which is what it is. And there's lots of storages and there's boxes everywhere. There's bookshelves or, or, or cupboards. Just It's very thin, very narrow, and it just seems to be used as storage. We move out of Students of Death into the Gabled Hall. This is a room that locks. There was just two undead in there. So we move on to the next one, where the master fell. And this is stairs that descend down, and we get a cutscene. Camera shows Ashley walking down the stairs to a door, and he walks past the camera and the viewpoint changes to the top of the stairs looking at Ashley. As he goes through the door, the camera moves back and we see a man, but his face isn't purposely shown. It kind of just pans up. I keep calling it panning, but that's not the the proper name. I think maybe Jib when the camera moves up. Cut here, Jib. What's a Jib? Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm trying to use the correct camera terminology now. You know, panning is a fixed access left to right. You know, then you have zoom, dolly, 
trolley, things like that. So the camera jibs, I believe. You don't see his face, you just see his body, which is a bit odd. Now we went through this door, we go to a new area now, which is the Abandoned Mines B1, and this will probably be the main focus of this week's cast. Yeah, just a guy that was looking at Ashley. You can tell who it is without needing to know because he's wearing the same outfit as the guy who was talking to the Duke earlier on. The guy that the Duke sent after him, he has that orangey kind of outfit, so that's the guy who's who's following him. Right, okay. I didn't put that together, but that's very good. Glad you noticed, yeah. Yeah, so the, the guy who was briefing the Duke on what happened yeah. um, previously, um, he's the guy who's following him. We are in Abandoned Minds B1. The room is the dreamer's entrance, and the music, Abandoned Minds Level 1, starts to play. Mm. This is a entrance down to the mines. It's a long stairway that goes down, and we are introduced to a new type of enemy bat, which is the, the Sturge. Yeah, well, they're a pain. They're yeah. bigger bats. It has its history in Dungeons & Dragons, where it sucks blood from players. And like in Dungeons & Dragons, it has an attack, which you've probably found out called Bloodsuck. And it leeches health from Ashley, but it's not much. It's only a couple of HP. They are a lot more annoying, though. I, I don't like the bats in the game because they're annoying, and these are more annoying. So, nothing that Tavarish won't sort out. No, exactly. These take two hits as opposed to one hit. So, we descend down go through the door and we end up in the first main room of the mines which is called the crossing this is a room that splits into three paths there's a hell dog which we defeat and a save point there's three paths we can go left middle or right let's start with the right hand path which is the miners resting hall we're introduced to two new enemies a goblin and a mimic goblins are you know like anything goblins small kind of green little angry guys that attack you which can either be blunt edged or piercing damage and a mimic, which also appears in many other games, such as Terraria. Um, off, offhand, I can't think of anything else, but I, I know I've definitely seen them. Uh, I don't think I came across a mimic in mind, though. I don't think I... No, I don't think I It looks did. like a chest. It looks like a treasure chest. It, oh, it has feet. the chest uh, the chest monster. Yeah, oh, okay. so that, that's, that's why they're called right. mimics. Like I say, they were in Terraria, and I'm pretty sure I played an RPG called Infinite Undiscovery, and I'm pretty sure that had mimics in as well, and there's, there's various other games that do have mimics. It's quite common. Yeah, I found a, I found a chest monster to be a very sneaky, because you run in here like, oh, a chest, and next thing it's a monster, and it attacks you. Kind of looks like a hermit crab, doesn't it? And it's wearing the chest as its house. Mm, yep. And they are quite strong, I, I noticed at this point. It's quite hard to kind of kill them. It's piercing damage, but I've only got a bronze rapier at the minute, and it takes a lot. Yeah, they've also got a, a numbing needle, kind of a spell that they use on you. Yeah. That, that, that's this green kind of electricity. When we beat these enemies, there's a chest in here that we can actually use, and this, but this one is locked with magic. So we use our spell, and we get a stinger axe, quad shield, ring mail, and ring leggings all in bronze and there's a gem in there the white queen gem which helps to evade numbness by 20% then finally there's a new grimoire called visible which has a spell called eureka which allows you to see all the traps in the room well there are a couple of interesting things about that the first thing the spell that you use to unbound a magic chest or magic locks is the clef spell yes so we said last week that you know clef means in key but it's the wrong but, key isn't it yes yeah, the key of music rather than the key of french clay and then the other thing that's interesting about Eureka is it's obviously the term for discovery. So if you discover something, and obviously that's what it, to allow you to discover the traps. His name escapes me at the minute, the, the one that was said to do that. He invented a corkscrew, didn't he? Uh, the what? The Eureka guy? Yeah. It was Archimedes. Archimedes. The Archimedes screw used to sort of move water uphill, doesn't it? 
And I think he said it when he discovered about volumetric displacement, you know, when you lower an item into a full tub and you measure the, the displaced water out of it, but that's... Yeah, he was in a bathtub. We leave the miners' resting hall, come back into the crossing, and we're left with two doors left or middle so we'll go left because middle is the way we're meant to be going right now so we'll we'll go left and explore down here next room is conflict and accord this room is a 90 degree bend to the right which has a goblin and a hell dog move through there into the end of the line end of the line which is a square room and is not the end of the line because there's another door across the other side uh, which has a bat and two goblins one which had a bow gun and we move into this room that i i can't stand this room called the earthquakes mark and this is the thin tall room probably 14 blocks high multiple levels three doors two of them locked in like four or five bats uh, yeah uh, just more bats and it's hard as well the camera angle it's hard and it's dark and it's hard to see there's a cheap trap near the only door we can go in or the eruption yeah oh, yeah which was it can be avoided but there's only the the pathway is only two blocks wide you've got a you know 50 50 chance of hitting it which was i, I thought was cheap again well, I think there's a couple of cheap things as well. I noticed, I think you, you mentioned previously as well, that you can avoid some of the enemies, you could just run past them. But yes. there's a mechanic where you enter a room and it's like the door locks. Yes. And then you have to fight whatever is in there, and then it doesn't unlock until until you've killed them. And I mean, yeah. it seems a bit like a clunky mechanic as well. It's a bit... I know that we can talk about other doors that are locked by magic and sigils and whatnot, but these just seem to be, all oh, the door is locked, and then you have to kill what's in there, and then when it's dead, it opens. And there's no explanation, is it? Why is it locked? Who who locks it? Why does it unlock? You know, if if this game was to be remade nowadays, there's um, a lot of mechanics that would have to be overhauled, especially interface mechanics. There's a rule in web design, which is meant to be called of the, the three-click rule, where any information should be no more than three clicks away from the user. And this game seriously needs to abide by that because trying to get some of these spells is very difficult isn't it you gotta you gotta press into the menu go to magic go to the one you want find it cast it it's you know and it's the same for equipment as well putting new equipment on setting new equipment up so you spend a long time navigating around menus and the fact that the whole design of the game it really forces you to you're in the menu probably every two or three minutes on you because you're either changing weapon or casting a spell or using an item yeah, I, I, it's very, it's it's overly complex and it's overly, uh, not complex. I mean, it, it's good that there's all those things in there and, 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 you know, there's a lot of variety in casting spells and whatnot. But as you say, it, it just starts to become a little bit of a grind of just into the menu, scroll down, put it on into the menu and, and you're like, you know, it, it really affects the flow of the game as well. Yeah. And what we'll talk about later is I made a weapon. I think you made the weapon as well, which is quite powerful. And once you have a weapon that's kind of OP in your current area, you're in the menu far less, aren't you? Because you're just running around, like, beating the hell out of stuff until it dies. And it's probably more fun, to be honest. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it makes it easier. I mean, not that it makes it easier. It just makes it more, as you say... More fluid. But half of the game is like, it could be called, you know, a menu simulator or something like that. Because you're spending most of the time in the menus rather than playing the game. Yeah, which is It just takes away the kind of focus from what you should be doing and, yeah. and looking through menus instead. After the cheap trap, we move through a door, which is on the 
basically on the same top level as where we entered into coal mine storage and it's a square room with a couple of levels similar to the one we went in before with the mimic there's goblins that kept casting paralysis on me which means you can't attack so then you got to use your Isgada's real tier to make yourself change the status get rid of the status so you can attack again we're just talking about cheap traps and there's an even cheaper trap in this room do you know this one the poison trap no i don't think it was there when i was there right so for me or maybe i avoided it there was a poison trap right in front of the chest literally on the square in front of the chest you walk up to the chest and you get poisoned and i was like what why would you do that in the chest though i think it was locked again it had some armor it had a gem undying jasper which increases weapon water affinity and has the fern sigil in which we'll need for later on when i left this room i hit the eruption trap again on the way out as well so i didn't even remember it was there and i hit it again So we move back to the crossroads and we go down the middle path now, which is the way forward. So the next room is the Suicide King. It's a square room with two goblins and a bat. The door doesn't lock, so you can run through it. But even if you do try to run through it, you're going to take damage regardless. So I just tend to go into a room and and beat everything because, you know, you want the experience and the battle abilities. Yeah, yeah. We move into the battle's beginning. This is a boss room. We get a cutscene where the camera pans around the room. And straight away, there's a wyvern that I think roars at Ashley. The music changes to the Greylands Incident Climax. I believe this is the same part of the music from the intro for the first wyvern. So it's the same music there. And I found this boss difficult, very difficult. How did you get on? Well, yeah, it's difficult until you know what to do. Because when you're looking at it first, it's a weak spot. It doesn't show up as a place you can hit. So it shows what body, head, arms or legs... Well, the body is weak to blunt, so what I did was, I was doing one damage with the mace, I think it was the the pink squirrel, mm. so I reloaded, ran all the way back to the, the magic hammer workshop, and I created a new blunt mace out of all the best weapons parts that I had, called it the wyvern smasher, went back down, fought the wyvern, and I was doing one damage previously, and now I did two damage, so I doubled my damage. Yeah. It was very disappointing and a massive waste of time, but yeah, do you want to explain how you actually defeat it? Um, you go around the back of it and you hit its tail, and that's that's the spot that, that'll do it. And then and then you just... You... Yeah, with an ed- edged weapon. Or your trusty Tavarish. Yeah, which is also an edged weapon, I think. Yeah. So we defeat this. When we win, I got a score of 688,705. I had 665,000. Oh, 665040. Okay, so you're not far behind. Rank is still Gladiator. Now, about the rank, what I've really pieced together in my mind is that I was thinking we were getting this rank per level, but it clearly is tied in with the score because we were normal agent, then went up to Gladiator. So as your score increases, your rank increases, but I assume when you go on your new game plus and you take all your old weapons with you, you know, you'll do it faster, probably take less damage. And I imagine, and you cause more damage, so I imagine you get more score and you rank up quicker, which I don't know what it means right now, because I've never beat the game, but I got a bonus of agility plus three. I got intelligence plus three. Oh, nice. And we've done 18% of the map, and we got some loot. We got a hyacinth sigil, a grimoire. How do you say this in French? Infuge? Anyway, it means French for fireproofing or fireguarding. The spell is Pyroguard, which raises armor fire affinity to make you take less damage off fire, which would, um, you know, tie rain true. So we defeat the boss. We move on through the door to the next room. What lies ahead is its name. 
and this looks like the first room that we came down of the mine which is a stairway that goes down but instead of bats there was goblins to fight we move through the next door into the fruits of friendship our fruit of friendship would be this podcast in this context though I don't know what the fruits of friendship are inside of the mine I, 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 I don't know No, the fruits of friendship in a mine diamonds <laughs> Diamonds, gold, maybe mining stuff out of the ground together. I don't know. I guess. So this room, you start at one side of a of a cavern of the hole in the floor, and you know the type that goes into blackness. There is a green floating platform, which this one's quite simple. You jump on the platform, move to the side, and you jump off. When you get to the other side, there's a box puzzle, which was quite easy. There was a stack of boxes, iron framework boxes. So you push one off from a ledge, and then push this box to another ledge and jump up and then we unlock the door which takes us back into the earthquakes mark the very tall room and all the bats are back of course now we have the hyacinth sigil and we can go through a new door into the passion of lovers this is a 90 degree bend to the left and as soon as you enter you get a check message that says a door open somewhere and a 15 second timer starts to count down so you don't have really any time to, to look at anything no time to waste really you run straight through the room, through the door, and I thought that was it. We move into the Hall of Hope, and the time is still going, and you're immediately attacked by a dog. Fire dog. So I think I stopped to fight the dog because action pauses, the timer pauses, and even during the animations, if you're chaining, time, the time never increases, or decreases, sorry, time doesn't pass. Then I beat the dog and got through. You get another check message, Ashley made it through, which we've complained about in the past, and I had four and a change to spare in terms of getting through there. From here, we end up in another three-way room called the Dark Tunnel, which has two goblins in it, and I, I think it had a save yeah. point again. Yep, yeah, there's a save point there as well the way forward is right so we'll start with the left which is the ever want passage um, which is there's nothing in here really there is a goblin and a mimic and a door that requires a silver key which we don't have not right now so at some point you get the silver key I think it's an end game item so as far as I'm aware there's no fast travel in this game so when you get the silver key you have to run all the way back I mean it probably doesn't take that long to be honest but you know it Mm. still takes probably a bit of time as we see later you get shortcuts as you get through the game we move back out to dark tunnel and into the middle door which is rust in peace so this is very similar to the right hand side room at the crossroads which had a goblin and a mimic which is the same thing so there's another chest that's locked with magic and we get a salamander ring which actually replaces the rude necklace we've been wearing since the start. So I think this is the first necklace we've had to replace that. And it's got quite good stats, to be honest. It raises quite a lot of affinities by a couple of points, by between one and three points. And we get a mana breaker gem, which must be equipped on a shield and gives you 20% evade to magic. Get an elixir of sages, which gives uh, intelligence up between one and four. And a grimoire undyne which gives the frost fusion spell which increases water affinity on a weapon so move back out there and we move right into the smeltery a smeltery is that uh assuming that's the same as a smelt works right yeah it must be you know where you um have crucibles and melt metals you know we're in somewhere that that name synonymizes with very warm and we have a new boss this is boss number two in the space of 10 minutes yeah it's boss central in here yeah 
very small cutscene. The camera looks at Ashley and then it cuts below him looking up and some sparks in the air and a fireball kind of materializes and crashes to the ground in front and the boss is stood there in front of him. This boss is the fire elemental, which I immediately noticed looks a bit like a genie, but orange. That's what I nicknamed him, the, the fire genie. So obviously he has fire affinity, but we've just been given... Well, we've just been given two things, haven't we, which is classic RPG. We've been given a spell that increases our fire affinity, Pyroguard, and a second spell that increases our water affinity, Frost Fusion. So it's pretty obvious what you do here. You know, so you cast them two. Um, and I say it's pretty obvious, but when I was playing it, it wasn't so obvious to me the first time, and I got beat by him, but I was very unprepared. I only had 100 health, and I didn't realise this was going to be a boss room, so I ran in boss fight started I had 100 health left and by the time I healed myself using magic I had very few magic points left and I couldn't cast everything I needed to at the time so when I did manage to actually know uh, at this point I reloaded my game and I ran back to the workshop and I created myself a new weapon um, by combining the iron and the bronze together so I believe you might have done the same with the rapier Yeah, so the different weapons have letters on them and there's bronze and iron and you can add them together to make a a steel variant. Yeah, but does Um, not uh, come up as H. Yeah, it comes up as H and it comes up as H because that is Hagagne, which is um, Japanese for steel. So I think what you're saying with the lettering, S would be for silver. Yeah. So uh, Hagagne is the H is the Japanese for steel. It's also um, a cyborg ninja from a Super Nintendo game in 1994. And I suppose he was probably made of steel as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Again, you know, um, why is it H? And you, Obviously, it's a Japanese game. They can't use S because that's going to be for silver. So, yeah, it, it's an interesting point. And by combining, it, it works for all things. So anything that you have that's bronze and iron, for example, you can make steel variants of them. Yeah. Which are obviously a lot more powerful definitely i found that out i mean i noticed this boss had some pretty hard hitting attacks especially the flame sphere level one which did round about 120 damage across sort of five body parts i think it hit like body left arm right arm left leg right leg so and each time it did sort of between 19 and 24 damage on each part so it was really hard hitting but when i beat him i had this new rapier and i used the pyro guard and i think i used the frost fusion spell and i had a gem in as well which increased my water affinity again so i went back down and absolutely wrecked it the second time around yeah i was just saying i put in the water gem because that made sense to have the water affinity on it and also having the salamander ring equipped that we found previously is also very helpful we beat this boss i got a score of 791,630. Right, 770,840. Right, so not much between us. Still rank Gladiator. I got plus four health. I got plus one strength. And we've done 19% off the map. The loot, a grimoire. Flamme? Does that mean French? Flamme for flame? Yeah. Yeah, which is the Flame Sphere spell, which I've tried to use, but it obviously it's always the same on these games. When you have the spell, it's not as good as when the boss has it. And we got an Elixir of Queens, which is HP up move on from here into the clash of hyenas which is another 90 degree room with a green floating platform so it's very similar to before but this one has a box puzzle and there's two boxes next to the door and you have to pick them both up and put them on the end of the walkway and then jump from the box onto the platform and i didn't miss the platform but when i stacked the boxes i was standing too far forward and i chucked the box over the edge so i had to leave the room go back in thank goodness for resetting rooms 
when we get the other side there's a second box puzzle there's a stack of four you've got to destroy three of them and push the last one to the ledge and jump up simple stuff into the greed knows no bounds and this was a bit of a pain of a room because it's a very thin corridor two or three blocks wide mm. very quite long but there's three goblins in here and they really gang up on you. And as soon as one casts like paralysis on you, you can't do anything unless you're using your Gazriel tears. I think I ran through this one in the end, to be honest. So I'm not sure what the Star Trek connection is with this next room, but it is... Live long and prosper. Really? I did not notice that. Okay. Ashley walks in and there's a small earthquake. It's just this very small cut scene. Yeah, and I'm not tremor. really sure what the... Uh, it's more of a tremor, isn't it? It's not, not an earthquake, yeah. it's a very small tremor. And it's a room that is, again, 90 degrees to the left, and the door on the other side uses our fern sigil that we got much earlier. Through this door is Pray to the Mineral Gods, and it's another stairway, but this time we're headed back up, and there's three bats on the stairway. Next, we move into the traitor's parting, and what a surprise, it's a boss. I've got a a shock in that room, because that boss just comes from nowhere, and then he, he runs straight at you. Yeah. It was a bit of a shock. So the cutscene is we're looking from Ashley's viewpoint as we enter the room. And there's an ogre standing there, but I think, because it's massive, it's huge. So the the ogre is standing there, but is it wearing a mask? It's wearing a mask, isn't it? Yeah, it's wearing a mask. And it's looking down. It's like a warrior pose. It's, It's almost looking down, waiting in the darkness. It looks up, and as it looks up and looks at Ashley, the music, like, shrieks ogre dashes forward very fast as it gets towards ashley we see from the ogre's eyes and it runs to ashley and before it hits him it jumps into the air like 30 feet and it lands behind him and the battle starts the boss music starts to play called ogre and i didn't really have any trouble with this boss no same as with any animals, um, or, or kind of non-human characters, Tavarish. Tavarish. I'm using that rapier. Honestly, I'm finding that rapier just slices through things like butter. To be honest, I went through it pretty fast. I got a score of 917,807. Yeah, you're pulling away now. I'm 875,373. Okay. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure what... Actually, I probably know what the scoring will be because we had a conversation where you said you weren't getting chains as big as I do. Oh, maybe that's it, yeah. Because I'm pulling... I, my timing's getting quite good. I'm regularly pulling chains of, like, 16, 17. Ah, uh, no. Yeah, I'm just doing four or five is probably the most. I mean, I don't think you need to pull chains that big, to be honest, because this ogre, when you do a big chain, it just seems to stop hitting. It only hits the first two or three, and then that's it. Mm. I got a bonus of strength plus three. Yeah, I get MP plus two. We've covered 21% of the map at this point. The loot, we got Elixir of Kings, which is strength, and a grimoire, Rempar. I, I assume it be Rempar. It's R-E-M-P-A-R-T. So if it's French, it would be Rempar. Actually, I think it's also an English word as well. I think it's very similar in English. The spell it casts is Terragard, which raises armor infinity. Yeah, the ramparts like in a castle or something. Sorry, it's our fortification. So now we get we get quite a bit of story here. Yeah, it finally goes back to... So after a lot of gameplay... Yeah, after a hell of a lot of gameplay, wasn't it? We've, we've talked about that quite quickly. I think we've talked about that in probably... 30 minutes roughly a lot of gameplay and a lot of bosses but honestly that much gameplay there because i went back to the workshop a few times it took me probably an hour and a half to two hours to do this section as we leave this room 
actually goes to open the exit door. Then he looks up into the air and kneels down on one knee. The camera starts to spiral around Ashley a bit like bullet time in the Matrix. I thought he was hallucinating or something. It kind of, it didn't seem voluntary. No, it didn't seem voluntary. You're right there. And suddenly everything goes black. The camera settles behind Ashley and we can see Melos in front of him. The camera then rushes forward past Ashley and the screen flashes white. The music, Rabbit Setting a Trap, starts to play. We are now seeing from the eyes of Merlos and we can see Harden and Sydney standing over a dead body. Sid asks Harden what he can see. So he must be looking again, you know, when he was observing Ashley earlier in the catacombs, was it? And he must be using that power again. And it, it seems like somehow Ashley is also using the same power, but it's yeah. almost like it's been thrust upon him, like you know, the, the Emperor of Shade or the power of Le Monde or something has uh, has made him do it. Well, I, I don't know about that. I think that obviously it's not voluntary and, and something is making this happen. Then Sydney turns to talk to Melos and asks them if she finds them strange. She responds, unnatural is more the word. That thing you do, it, and then it she trails off. Sydney waves his finger and points at Harden. Harden is looking up in the air like he was earlier when looking at Ashley. He says they have formed the three groups and that they are wounded and weary about being split apart. He's obviously looking at the Crimson Blades at this point and he says they are less focused than the men from last night, which I assume he means in the um, in the manor because I believe we're only about 12 hours after the manor even though for us it's been nearly six weeks. This is this this is so, so is one of the issues of playing a game sort of on a weekly basis for a podcast, but anyway. Sydney says the men from last night were trained, but these men are cell swords. So I've never read this like heard the term cell sword before, but I'm just assuming it means like a hired person, hired soldier. Well it's a mercenary, yeah, it hired swords. Cell swords it's a quite common term. He adds that Guildenstein wished to catch them last night in the Greylands, yet we provided too cunning a quarry. Harden replies, it's a hollow victory. Our losses are greater than the blades, and they have cut our puppet strings and turned them against us. And they will hold the surface, and we are lost. So Harden, he seems to like lose faith and melt down really fast, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Um, he questions Sydney. He questions him all the time, and I think he's about to question him again. Sydney talks about how they have sacrificed, and it mustn't be in vain, while addressing Harden. Harden asks how the blades have control of the servants. Now, I'm not 100% sure what he means by this, because nothing's been explicitly said, but do you think they're talking about the undead? Yeah, I, I wasn't sure about that either. And, you know, talking about cutting our puppet strings and turning them against us. Yeah. It's who has control over... It must be the undead. I can't think of who else it would be. Yeah, that's my guess, you know. In my mind, because Ashley is never far behind Harden in Sydney. He only ever seems about five minutes away from them at all times, whether that's by Sydney's design, because he's leading Ashley somewhere, or because Ashley's so fast, you know. He fights with the strength of a brigade, and he can just seem to catch them up really quick. In my mind, that Sydney is just constantly round the corner, just like summoning demons and various different things against him. Ashley replies to Harden that not all of them can, but Harden continues to talk through all of this and questions if they've been betrayed. Sydney believes that they haven't, but that the Cardinal has been preparing for it for a long time and says 20 years watching and waiting. 
Harden then starts to get very emotional, saying the Blades moved in soon as their plans started on the Duke, and Sidney tells him to calm down and he must learn control. So it's not the first time he's told this to Harden either. Yeah, and Harden's having a kind of, as you said, meltdown. Yeah, again, I mean, this guy's a meltdown every five minutes. Harden reiterates that they are lost and they must run or they will be warming our toes in hell. Sydney then, like, walks up to Harden, doesn't he? He squares right up to him, right in his face, and tells him that he must control himself. Yeah, it's like a face-off. Sydney then stares down Harden and he, like, it's almost like he's trying to hypnotise him, isn't it? And he says, I am telling you all is well. And Harden, like, falls down on his backside. Well, you get this high-pitched sound as well when he's staring at him. So you get this high-pitched kind of really intense music. Yeah, so I think he must have some sort of, like, power over people, like some sort of hypnosis. Which is probably why when Carl was talking to Ashley and he was saying, oh, people sing his praises, you know, maybe he's hypnotised people so they all, you know, to join his cult and say that he's the best. Could be. Sydney then tries to defuse the situation and says, are we not friends? And then ask Harden for his trust. Harden acknowledges that they are friends and Sydney then turns away and walks off, telling Harden to take Carl and go on ahead, but not to be too rough with her. Harden asks Sydney what he's going to do. Sydney replies, he's off to visit Guildenstern and to worry not friend. He then orders Harden to use sigils to lock the doors behind him as they will cost time for our valuable guests. As Sydney walks out, Harden stops him in his tracks by shouting his name. He follows up with, If we are friends, do not compel me so. Sydney resumes walking, having never looked back at Harden, and Harden follows up with, Never again, Sydney. Um, and he shouts it, doesn't he? Because it's exclamation points, and I think I'd be capitalised. So I think that the compel must be, I think, as you say, the controlling somebody. So he's not happy that Sydney is using this kind of a, well, I guess for want of a better term, hypnosis or, or whatnot. Clearly, they've got a very rocky relationship at this point. Yeah, I think he's saying, you know, for friends, why are you trying to control me? Sydney then disappears through the door, and Cal looks at the door, where she sees another ghostly figure of Joshua again, and the words, he intends to die, appear above Joshua. So I'm assuming Joshua's trying to say this, you know, one way or the other. He doesn't say it direct in speech, maybe, because Cal can seem to be the only one who can see Joshua. Maybe she's also the only one that can hear Joshua, and he intends to die, presumably, Sydney, because he just walked through that door. Yeah, maybe. It could be. He did say he had a plan for Ashley about not knowing the power inside of him. We don't really know what plan that is just yet, but, you know, it's death. It's Sydney's death part of it. I mean, that will all come later, I'm sure. And why is this Joshua kid greyed out? Why? Where is he? What has happened to him? Well, yeah, because Harden stole him from the castle, right? Like, yeah. he kidnapped him. Yeah, but, but where is he? Well, that's it. We just don't know right now. Maybe he's locked up in a in a dungeon somewhere, you know, with some food and water, and he's got some powers. But why he has powers? Or does Cal have the power because she keeps seeing him? Is she could he be dead? Yeah, yeah. Could he be dead? I don't know. Harden walks away and then turns round to Cal and tells her to come this way with him. We then move back to Ashley, who just says Merlos again. And he's still down on one knee before he stands up and walks forward through the door. Standing in the original doorway we just come through to fight the boss is the same figure from earlier at the stone stairwell when he originally came into the mine. This time we can see his face as well. And he has what looks like a gold lip piercing on his lower left lip. Did you notice that? Mm, no. Yeah, it looks a bit looks a bit weird. But but he is he is definitely the Duke's man. Yeah. Then you can see it. 
Yeah, yeah, when you see his face. I didn't realise he was a Dukes man, but I'm glad you spotted that one. When he's watching Ashley, he asks himself, what have you done, Sydney?" Which is a very interesting turn of phrase, because what have you done? He's seen Ashley do this kind of whatever seeing, using his shining or whatever. Is he worried that Sydney is unlocking something in Ashley? Is he worried about whether Sydney has what he's done with the Duke's son? It's interesting. It's I thought it was a very interesting phrase. What have you done, Sydney? Why would he say, what have you done, Sydney, while he's looked at Ash? Yeah, it looks like Ashley's probably showing some extra power that he's never shown in the past. We don't know how powerful Ashley was prior to this, no. but it is said that he was the most elite of soldiers. So he's probably always been physically, magically combatant. You know, he's, he's obviously been gifted in that sort of sense. But now he's maybe showing powers that are beyond what his original capabilities were. Maybe. We move through the door and the B1's mind music resumes playing and we are in a room called Escapeway which is just a stairway leading out. Same designs, all the stairways, either going down or moving up. There's no enemies. We move on to the next door. We are back in the town centre west. Uh, There's no music again. It's just the wind and the birds. And we are in a room, well, the area is called Rue Bouquet, which would be Flower Street, I believe. Yeah. Or or Bouquet Street. Um, I mean, Bouquet, we use it in English, right? But it's originally a French word for a bunch of flowers, I suppose. Mrs. Bouquet, Mrs. Bucket. And there's a there's a save point. So let's review that section. It was a section I kind of dreaded. I, I do remember it a bit. And I remember it being quite hard and quite long, which I guess it was for me this time around. It was quite difficult in some places, like especially the Wyvern, as I did not know how to defeat it. But once I beat the Wyvern and made the, the steel rapier, I then sailed through the rest of the, the entire section, really. Yeah, I mean, it is, um, you know, the mines in themselves are a bit of a labyrinth. There's lots of ways to, to go and doors to go through. And some of the camera was a little bit, you know, made some things a little bit tricky. Yeah. Obviously, uh, there's a load of bosses in there. Yeah, but I mean, once you have the right weapons and tools, as you say, then it is a lot more straightforward. And we, we've seen a little bit more to do with sort of Sydney and Harden again, so... I don't feel like they've really got a plan. Like, Harden definitely doesn't know the plan, if there is a plan, but it almost feels like it's a bit ad hoc, a bit made up at, you know, at the seat of his pants as he's going along right now. Yeah, I, I don't know. Sydney came across at the start as like, a, you know, this guy who had it all together and knew what he was doing, and now it just seems a bit, I don't know if he does. Maybe he does. And also this idea of controlling over whatever the servants are or the puppets. It, it seems that Sydney isn't the only person it is able to to have this kind of magical control over things so that's also interesting and then who is it's it's kind of hard as well to to decide whose side if any um you would be on sydney seemed like the villain at the start but yeah. there seem to be all villains except yeah, for ashley i suppose they do right now um everyone seems like a villain and to be honest i mean all you know about ashley is that he is pursuing sydney in the name of good but for all we know, this could this could turn on its head at any point. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it, it does give some interesting extra it, it back in the story as well. But it probably raises more questions than answers. And then, you know, why is this greyed out Joshua? Um, what has Sidney done? Why is the Duke's man following him? Well, we know he's following him. But what are his intentions? Um, so, yeah, and, and it seems like Harden is going to have a breakdown at every Every next time you see him, he's he's questioning the plans, or lack of plans. 
I mean, if Hod never becomes a boss, I can't see him being a difficult boss. You know, he seems to crack under pressure and emotionally unstable. But for all I know, for all we know, it could be the result of um, Ashley's sort of mind magic could put instability within you, you know, by compelling someone to do something against their will that could affect them in any number of ways. Yeah. Well, you mean Sydney's mind magic. Sorry, Sydney's mind magic, yes. Yeah. I Yeah. Uh, yeah, I suppose. So there's a lot there's a lot that we need to know that we would like to find out and I'm sure some of these questions will be answered in the future. Well I think some of the gameplay as well, you know, while it was interesting, it did slow down the story a bit because you just want to get on and find out what's happening next and, and where is Sydney and what's he going to do. So that's it for this evening. We get to the save point, save our progress, and return to the real world. Thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it. We are on Facebook as Retrospective Replay if you want to join in on the conversation. You can also email us at retrospectivereplay at gmail.com with any comments, questions or patch notes. Until next week, good night and Godspeed. Godspeed.